Well, good morning, church. Great to be with you again this morning. I told several of you this morning that uh, whoever it was that turned on the fan outside can just go ahead and turn it down, okay? Just turn it down. I've been told that uh, when you take two pieces of wood that have been broken, that, that if you take wood glue and you clamp them together again and you give it time, uh, that actually the joint will be stronger than it was before the break. Isn't that amazing? That we can have something that's broken, that's separated, and, and if brought back together and glued in the right manner and clamped down together, the new joint is better than the old one. It makes you want to go break a whole bunch of stuff, doesn't it? Let's just break it and then glue it back together so it's better. I just had someone wag their finger at me. Like, maybe that's not a good idea. I've been told that, that if, you, if you have a piece of metal, that if it, if it breaks, if, if the seam or whatever it is in the metal gives way, that the proper kind of weld will, will actually make the metal stronger than it was before. That you can separate something, and, and if you have the proper weld, you can make it stronger than it was prior. I, I know that if you tear a piece of cloth, that if, it, if, if it's just ripped, that, that you can actually create stitching that will make the bonds of the fabric stronger than it was prior, that you can separate something and then bring it back together and actually have it stronger than it was before. I mean, it kind of gets at this big $10 churchy word called reconcile, right? I mean, it can be a counting term, right? You like it when your books reconcile. Right, every time that you have to try and balance your checkbook and you have to look at what the bank says you have and what you have, uh, what your, your, your checkbook or your Quicken account says you have, you hope that they will reconcile with one another, don't you? I mean, you hope that, uh, that what is over here and what is over here will come back together and will be woven together and you'll be, yes, this is reconciled. And sometimes that can even happen in relationships, can't it? There's a brokenness. There is a seam that has been ripped and torn. And, and it's broken. And there's a piece over here and a piece over here. And maybe, maybe just maybe, there is reconcile. Where two people come back together again. And what, what is now a new relationship is actually stronger uh, than what was there before. And quite frankly, this is what Jesus has done for you and for me. I mean, he's taken two almost irreconcilable pieces and, and, and brought them back together again. 
He's taken these two pieces so far away from each other and brought them together and glued them together and welded them together and stitched them together so that, quite frankly, the relationship now is better than it was even prior. God does this. And the great thing this morning is that not only has God chosen to work in us, not only has he chosen to work in us to try and bring two irreconcilable parts together again and weld them and glue them and make them stronger, not only has he done that for us, not only does he want to work in us, he wants to work through us, which is amazing. Uh, that God didn't just wind us up uh, he didn't just heal the wound. He didn't just uh, say, okay, now you're off and you go and do whatever you want. No, no. Uh, he, he brought us back to himself and, and now uh, he's, he, he is content not to allow us just to sit and to enjoy uh, this new uh, seamless relationship. He says, I, I actually want to work through you. We're going to get into God's word this morning, and uh, there is a, uh, there's an occasion where Paul, uh, speaking to a church, uh, talks about this whole idea of God reconciling people, taking two irreconcilable pieces and bringing them together of healing, of stitching, of welding, and he says, you know what, this is the work of God. This is what God has done. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, what God has done now needs to work through you. And then he uses this crazy little big word. Last week someone said, hey Mike, how big can a little big word be? But I promise this week it's only three letters long. Little big word, a word that just, uh, it prompts us toward urgency. It says not tomorrow, but today. It says we can't simply procrastinate on this work that is going to be done through us. Uh, it has to happen right now. Not tomorrow, not the next day. It has to happen right now. Now, in fact, he's going to say today, right now, now is the time, today. It's this urgent message that, uh, that perhaps you and I have a responsibility uh, with this whole message of bringing two things back together again. Will you join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're grabbing for a pew Bible, go ahead and do that. It's going to be page 805, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, page You see, God has initiated this glorious piece of grace. 
Uh, God has initiated this, uh, this, this reconciling act. God brought victory where there could not be victory. Uh, God brought uh, two pieces that were so incredibly far apart together again. And the whole story of you and I doing the thing that we have to do uh, really doesn't begin with us. It begins with God because he's the example. So uh, Paul here is... is just prompting us, God's word here is prompting us to recognize the example that we have been given and then live according to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, look with me at the very beginning of verse 18. Look with me at the very beginning of verse 18. He says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, he says, all this is from God who reconciled to us through Christ. Now, look at the very beginning of verse 19. These, these two statements happen to be parallel with one another. Uh, God reconciled us through Christ, and now uh, it's parallel with the beginning of verse 19. Uh, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting men's sins against them. Woohoo! Look at verse 21, verse 21. He said, God made him, that's Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God won a victory, quite frankly, that we just couldn't win on our own. Uh, let me try and give you a visual uh, to just understand how big this is, Right? Uh, sin is a big deal. We, we've talked a little bit about that in, the, in, in this series, in these weeks that we've gone through, uh, these little big words. And we've said, hey, sin is a big deal. Okay? Now, here is you. This is you. I, I would go out the door, but it's cold out there. Okay? So I'm going to stay on the stage. But, but here is where you are. If you are, if you are, uh, if you have, found yourself in rebellion against God, this is where you, you are. But the problem is uh, that, 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 that God is way over here. God's over here and, and you're over there. The problem is you can't swim that far. You can't walk that far. Right? You're going to have to have God come and, and make some sort of way. Something's going to have to happen for, for God to allow you to come across the stage and meet him. There's going to have to be some glue. There's going to have to be some weld. There's going to have to be some stitching uh, that allows you to come into a relationship with God again. And the text is just simply saying, hey, you know what God did for you? You know what he did to allow you to cross the stage even though uh, you were a sinful human being? He said, I gave you Jesus. And Jesus became sin. The only way that this, this whole thing would work is if someone perfect and God uh, became a man and made the way. And he became sin for you and me to reconcile us to God. And the account, God says, is reconciled. He looked at our balance sheet and he said, okay, it matches, you're in. 
But you can't imagine, right, how big this gap is. All right? Now, this is really important. I don't want you to miss it. How big is the gap? Just say really big. It's really big. Okay? The gap between sin and God is really big. Between where we were and where God was before Jesus is really big. But God did something that we couldn't do. He initiated this whole contact with us through Jesus and said, I'm going to take two things and I'm going to weld them together with my son. And it's huge. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a victory won through him. Okay? It's really big. That's our example. That's our example. Okay? Now, when is all of this supposed to happen? Look with me now. Uh, go over to chapter 6. Go over to chapter 6. And I want you to look in verse 1. Now, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. This thing that God has done for you, don't, don't do that in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of, of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. God didn't just give us this and, and let us sit on it and say, great, wonderful, now I'm going to go on and live the rest of my life. No, God's work is to be our work. And when is it supposed to happen? He says, right now. Now, I haven't told you what the work is yet. But I want you to know right up front, this little big word, Right? It's supposed to be now. It's supposed to be before you leave the building. It's supposed to be today. It's not supposed to be put off till tomorrow. You don't need to sit and pray about it to wonder if God wants you to do it. You can do it now. Everybody say now. now. I love it. You guys are really in it. Wonderful. Now. Now is the time. So what is this work? What is the work that we're supposed to be doing? Uh, remember, God's example to us was this of reconcile. He was taking these two big pieces, uh, and it was a really broad expanse, right? I mean, it was very big. You guys all said it. And he brought them back together. And this is our example. So what is it that we are to do? Notice what God's word said. Look at, look at verse 15. Talking about Jesus, and he died for all, and those who live, that's us, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ is our example. Now look at the last part of verse 18. And this is from God, and he reconciled through Christ, but what did he give us? He gave us the ministry of reconciling, right? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, and again, they're at the end of verse 19. And he was and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, God gave us this in tremendous example in Christ to bring two pieces together. And the expanse was great. Uh, and he did it anyway. And now he says, now what I want you to do, those of you who, who know Christ, those of you who have been reconciled by him, I want you to take his example and I want you to take that ministry with you. Now can I tell you something about the church in Corinth? 
This church has some issues. Have you ever known some people who might have issues? Don't point at me. We, we all probably know some folks with issues. The church at Corinth had some issues. I mean, if you go back and you begin to read uh, these letters in God's Word, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, uh, you'll notice that these Corinthian people, they, they had, well, they had issues that might sound like uh, they were standing on opposite sides of the stage from one another. I mean, right off the bat, you, you begin to understand that they were fighting over who had baptized them. And someone was saying, well, I, I got to be baptized by Mike. And another person said, well, I got to be baptized by Josh. And someone else said, I got to be baptized by Dan. And someone else said, are, are you with me? They're like, well, actually, I'm a little better than you are because I got to be baptized by the preacher. And someone else said, no, that's not true uh, because Josh has a way better beard than Mike does. And are you tracking? I mean, it seems very silly, but they were beginning to draw lines uh, in their church and say, well, I got to be baptized by this person and that person. And it was actually driving a wedge in the church. And if that were enough, okay, Paul begins to say, hey, don't do that anymore. Uh, and yet later on, they, they have this thing about spiritual gifts. And, and, and Paul goes through this whole great big list of, of people who have different kinds of spiritual gifts. And he says, well, you have a gift of teaching and you have a gift of songwriting uh, and you have a gift of this or of that. Uh, and they begin to draw up lines based on, on who they think has the best spiritual gift. And Paul is going, wait a minute. No, no, no. This is driving a wedge. And they begin to stand on opposite sides of the stage of one another because of their spiritual gifts. And then if that weren't enough, this thing that was supposed to be the unifying thing in a service, the communion, we just all took it together. And you and I, hopefully, who are in Jesus, we understand that when we take communion, we don't just take it on a, on a, or a vertical level between us and God. It's between all of us. That this proclaims something about who we are as the church, Right? And it seems like in Corinth what was going on was there was some rich people and there were some poor people and the rich people were employing the poor people and, and when it came time for communion uh, they weren't waiting for some of the other people out in the field to come back in so that they could commune together. And Paul says, what are you doing? And even here, even here, this church, they're wrestling mightily with what Paul is even saying. He's like, they're, they're beginning to say, I don't know about Paul's teaching. Maybe we should go somewhere else. Maybe we should get another word. Maybe we should get a second opinion. And he is saying, time out. Time out. Hold on. Hold the phone. Stop the train. I want you to see what God has done for you. 
And once you see what God has done for you, when you see the great expanse that he's brought back together, uh, when you see the thing that's been glued and welded and stitched together that's now stronger than it was before, I want you to recognize that now you, those of you who are in Christ, you have this great responsibility to live out that kind of reconciliation. And for those people in Corinth that began in their church... Look with me again, would you? Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Now, Paul doesn't write that so that we can just say, oh man, it's so good to be a Christian. No, he's saying there is a new reality to being a Christian. And if there is a new reality between who you are and who God is, that has implications for how we treat one another. What should we do? Well, right now, we need to begin to reconcile. Notice what he says later on, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, God didn't didn't just say, I want to work in you. He said, I want to work through you. It's not just good enough for you to have known what God does in bringing people to himself through Christ. No, it, it, it has to be something that now lives through you in the case of other people. And when does that happen? It happens now. It happens today. The urgency is upon us. Be reconciled. And so on one hand, what Paul is saying is uh, to all those who are in Christ, he says, hey, you need to repent And if you haven't been reconciling other relationships, uh, then do it, and do it today. Do it now. Do it right now. Don't wait a single moment because you recognize uh, the kind of thing that God has done in bringing you to himself. Right? Remember, I told you this was a big piece. Remember? I said, how big is this? Very big. Very big. I mean, we were standing over there, and God was standing over there, and he somehow brought us together through Christ because he said, I'm going to make him sin and make you righteousness. Now, I know some of you are already probably three steps ahead of me, and you're thinking right now, I couldn't possibly begin to reconcile with other people. Because you don't know how much they've hurt me. And you're right. I don't. Some of you are saying, uh, I am justified in not seeking any steps whatsoever because uh, you cannot possibly fathom what they have done to me. And again, I would have to admit, no, I... I don't. I don't know all the situations. I don't know all the broken relationships. I don't know where the the healing needs to take place for you. But here's what I do know. We've been given an example 
haven't we? We've been given an example with God through Christ in us and now through us. And I may not know how big the expanse is between you and someone else in a relationship, but I do know uh, because Scripture tells me how big the expanse was, uh, how big the space was, how big the tear was between me and God. And if that's my example, then Paul is saying now, today, with tremendous urgency, Now's the time. Now's the time I begin to take steps, not just to talk about the reconcile that God gave me, but to live out the reconcile. You see, here's what I think Paul is saying. God has acted powerfully to bring us to God through Christ. And that same power is active through you. Not just around you, not just beside you, but through you. When you will act as one who actually reconciles your relationships. See, God doesn't just act beside us. He doesn't just act with us. He acts through us. I've told some of you, I have a sister who's somewhat estranged to me. I remember the phone call about six or seven years ago. It was in the fall. I was actually at someone else's house, and I pick up my cell phone, and, and it was my sister. And I was super excited because she uh, hadn't talked to me a lot. Jenny, how are you? How's it going? It was an accidental dial. And I said, hey, well, you know, now that I have you, how's it going? What's, what's happening? Where are you at? And I don't remember all the words exactly, but it was something to the effect of, I don't want to have anything more to do with you ever. Please don't ever call me. I don't want to even consider myself your sister. And she hung up. Now, I don't know how big your expanse is. I don't know how big the tear is in the relationships that you have. But I know some of my own. And when I come face to face with what Paul is saying in this little big word, now, He gives me no other option than to say, Mike, it's not just good enough for you to accept what God has done for you and then not allow Christ to act through you to reconcile with others. So I began to pray months ago. I tried to make it a point of prayer every single day. I wrote it down on a, on a list of things that I wanted to pray for daily. Lord, I don't know what even to exactly pray, but would you please help me to bring this relationship with my sister closer? 
Uh, would you help us to, to kind of heal this relationship? Would you help me to, to have an opportunity where I could begin to love her and be her brother? Day after day, I just began to say, okay, I, I want to be a part of, God, what you're doing. You've given me an example, and I, I want to try and live this out. This last July, I was like, okay, God, I've been praying this for, for quite a bit, quite a while. Now I think you're asking me to actually take a step. I knew she was on Facebook, so I, I decided to take this kind of scary step, and I messaged her. I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but, uh, but it, I felt like, okay, uh, I have to take a step. I can't just talk about it. i got to do it. Hey, Jen. How's it going? Hope you're well. Kids are well here. You know, very simple things. And I got a message back. I know that's not, I know that maybe not be as radical as you were hoping for. I mean, I would love to tell you, yeah, she came home for Christmas and we got all the kids together and it was awesome. And we, you know, talked about our childhood and how close we were. And, you know, and then I baptized her at the end, you know, wouldn't that be great? I would love to tell you that. All I can tell you now is that she answers once in a while when I message her on Facebook. Do I know what's going to happen with that? No. But I do know that it's my responsibility because of the example I've been given in Christ to say I'm going to do whatever I can do to bring about God's work through me to reconcile people. I know, gang, this is scary stuff. But at the end of the day, Paul says, don't wait. God's word says it's now. Today is the day of your salvation. So let's take two things and bring them together and allow God's power to work through us in a special way to stitch together those relationships, to weld each other together, to set some glue. And maybe, just maybe, we'll find that at the end of the road, that bond will be stronger than it ever was in the beginning. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and... Uh, I thank you, Lord, that, that we can open up your word and search it out and try and understand what you are saying to us. Lord, there's some broken relationships out there this morning. And Lord, my prayer for those broken places is that same power, that same reconciling that you were doing with us in Christ, 
that you will work through us in that. And that power will be known in our, our relationships. And Lord, that we wouldn't wait. I pray it's today. Lord, help us to move and to be urgent and to know your power. Lord, use us. Use us as tools so that you will reconcile the books, not just on our souls, but on the relationships, Lord, that all of us have. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.